What up, sports world? Welcome back to Fourth and Forever Sports. You've got Scott here, joined as always by Jacob and Taylor. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Man, I'm so good. I'm just so excited to be back on the pod with you guys again. Episode three. It's going to be awesome. Taylor, how are you feeling today? I have thought about nothing else besides this pod today. So I'm excited to talk to Scott, excited to talk to you, and I'm excited to talk to the listeners. So let's get to it. You haven't thought once about your like wife or kids or family or anything? Just this pod? This is the only thing that's consumed your brain this, today? I'm, I'm flattered. Listen, I, my thoughts are primarily focused on them most of the time. So that being <laughs> said, today was a day for the pod and the boys. So that, right. that's, it is what it is. I think the listeners can appreciate that, and they can especially appreciate you coming in silky smooth this time with that brand new audio setup, sir. It is you're majestic right now. I have to tell you. Yeah, I actually, uh, maybe sound like I'm supposed to be on the show and not calling in on my Motorola Razor. <laughs> Throwing it back for the Razor. Oh yeah, Taylor's voice brings all the listeners to the pod around the outside. <laughs> <laughs> We're about to find out. Wasn't sure which direction we were going there, milkshakes to the yard or what, but. <laughs> oh, that was it. Oh, man. <laughs> Either one would have killed it. <laughs> I'm done. I'm, we're done with this conversation. Or this portion. <laughs> we're, moving, we're moving on. So before we, before we get started, I do want to say, uh, guys, if you like what you hear, we love doing it. Um, so do us a favor. Uh, go to your favorite podcatcher, rate and review, subscribe, follow all the good things. Those things make us happy. So if you do that, we appreciate it. We're going to continue being here every week. And those things help us reach a broader audience. Uh, and that being said, <clears throat> big shout out to our people over in Belgium. Turns out we've actually got a decent following over there. So bonjour and hello. Trying to I'll embarrass myself a little bit here, but that's okay. But uh, honestly, guys, it's cool that we've got downloads outside of the U.S., so keep on listening. Tell a friend. It's, uh, it's exciting stuff. Absolutely. Really? I was going <laughs> to say, no no ribbing at all for that. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, shout out to the Belgium listeners again. Like Scott said, it's pretty crazy to pull up the analytics for the podcast and find that you have listeners in Belgium. So thank you so much for listening to us. That being said, would like to lay down a disclaimer that Scott is not from Belgium. So, I'm not. If he at any point did not pronounce something the way y'all pronounce it, we're very sorry. Continue listening to us, please. Scotty, <laughs> take it away. If he messed that up, you can thank Google Translate for that. <laughs> yeah. Hate hate DMs are are understandable. I'm I'm here for it as always. But get, jumping into the meat and potatoes, guys. So. I figured we could do something a little different this week. I think that a lot of other sports outlets are going to be focusing a lot on the, you know, what uh, Sean Payton is saying to to Aaron Rodgers' OC and all that jazz. But we're gonna we're gonna have a little more fun with it, and we're gonna play a little game of over under. <clears throat> and what that looks like is we'll go around the horn, pick a couple of different metrics or a couple of different popular things that have happened or could happen, and we'll give our uh, our over under number and then we'll take you know we'll take each other's takes on that right so a good example of that is i'm going to start it off with my favorite quarterback quote unquote uh dak prescott last year 
for those who don't know, he managed to lead the league in interceptions whilst missing five games. Uh, and he's come out publicly and said that he will throw less than 10 interceptions this year. I call lies on that. So the over-under number is 10. I'm going to say that he is going to throw more than that. Reason being is, while last year may have been a bit excessive, he still hasn't looked like the same quarterback in the last couple of years as he has of old. So I think he'll chuck at least at least 11, if not more. Jacob, what do you got, sir? Yeah, so... I would like to preface this with Scott is a huge Eagles fan. Philadelphia Eagles nation do not typically enjoy Dallas Cowboy fans. And so that's probably why Scott says that Dak is going to throw more than 10 interceptions this year. I don't know. I'm just spitballing. My personal take is that Dak Prescott does not throw double digit interceptions this year, mostly because they got rid of their offensive coordinator, Mr. Kellen Moore, who was a super pass-happy offensive coordinator. I think that Dak cannot throw double-digit interceptions if he does not throw as many pass attempts. That's just kind of simple game theory. It's probably completely wrong. However, I am going under 10 interceptions this year. Taylor, tell us about it. So, one second, real fast. That was for, for... I was dripping with sarcasm when I said that he was my favorite quarterback. Uh, let that be noted. <laughs> <laughs> and I hear what you're saying about them scapegoat, scapegoating Kellen Moore. However, if you look at what they did by bringing in Brandon Cooks, uh, and you look at you know what Mike, Mike McCarthy has done historically when he's been in a play caller, he's a very, very pass-happy. So disagree. But Taylor, what do you got? Well, Jacob said that because he's going to throw less, he's going to throw less interceptions. And that's great, but he played 12 games last year. So I would say compared to a whole season, he threw significantly less last year. That being said, in his career, he has only not thrown double-digit interceptions twice. Once was his first year as a starter, and the other was the year he got hurt. So I'm going to smash the over. I think he'll throw more than 10 interceptions. I like your style, Taylor. That's why we keep bringing you back because he's a uh, when he's not supporting the Chiefs, he's a closet Eagles homer. He was actually somewhat upset with the Eagles lost the, uh, lost the Super Bowl this year. Well, That's out completely. of the out of the uh, I was going to say out of the two teams playing in the Super Bowl last year, I really wanted the Chiefs to win. But <laughs> if they couldn't win, I guess I wanted the Eagles to win. A, Don't let him put words in your mouth, Taylor. Don't <laughs> let him put words in your mouth. I do, I do want to just like backpedal just like two steps here, Scott, because you said let's look at Mike McCarthy and see what kind of offensive coordinator he is as a play caller. Well, you know, Mike McCarthy had Eddie Lacy, who was a certified Mack truck. Literally, dude had a spare tire. They probably had to throw the ball a lot, Scott, because Eddie Lacy couldn't run. I don't know. That's I'm, fair. I'm just, I'm just spitballing and- here. And if you've got Aaron Rodgers back there in the backfield, let the man throw the football. Regardless of his darkness retreats and his drama that he brings, the man throws the football extremely well. Yeah. And wins MVPs. Yeah. That's Even true. Last Which, one didn't deserve it, but that's that's my opinion. Listen, we're not getting into that controversy tonight, but I will say that Aaron Rodgers won back-to-back MVPs right after Mike McCarthy left. So... Ah, that's that's bad that's bad for my take and that's bad for dallas so anyway <laughs> so yeah that was my first one i figured we'd just go around uh jacob why don't we give your first one which you think yeah thinking? dude so i can't spell this guy's name and i'm probably gonna say it wrong but tua tagavailoa over under five thousand passing yards this year 
And let me give just a little bit of an elaboration on this. Last year, Tua misses four games because of concussion. That does not count the games that he left early because of concussion as well. So he missed quite a few snaps is just what I'm getting at. He threw for 3,500 yards in 13 complete games. He has two of the fastest receivers in the NFL and debatably two of the top, I'm going to say, five to ten receivers in the NFL in Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Tyreek Hill has openly said that he is going to eclipse 2,000 yards this year. He can do it. I know he can do it. You know he can do it. If you do simple math here, Tua gets 5,000 yards. I'm going over. All right. Taylor, what do you think? So I think that Tua is not going to throw for 5,000 yards. I also think that Tyreek Hill is not going to receive for 2,000 yards. So the math just doesn't add up to me, Jacob. Hashtag analysis. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Taylor, all I'm saying is, didn't Tyreek Hill have like almost 1,900 yards last year? Yeah, I mean, I I don't have it in front of me, but probably something close to that, yeah. Yeah, it was actually 1779. Wonderful year for America. He had almost 1,800 yards last year, and his starting quarterback missed four games for sure, and probably roughly another six quarters. So you got to figure dude gets 2,000 last year if Tua doesn't miss games. Yeah, he's a year older too, and I don't know, man. I, I don't see it happening. Like I said, for either of them, really. But Tua, you know, battling the concussions. Let's just hope that he stays healthy this year. That's the biggest thing, man. I, I feel really bad because, yeah, it was terrible was watching that unfold. So hopefully, first and foremost, hopefully he stays healthy. I just did the math. For him to eclipse 5,000 yards, that to be 294 yards a game on average, right? He can have way over than that and, you know, miss, it, miss the mark a couple times. Do I believe in the firepower down there? Absolutely. Do I think that something won't happen, even if it's not like concussions, like somebody gets hurt, you know, sprains an ankle? I mean, a lot of things have to come together just right for that 5,000 yard mark to happen. So I'm going to take the under on that as well. I think it's going to be close. I bet you he finishes 4,500, 4,800, but I think it'll miss, he'll miss it by just a, just a smidge. Two. Go back to what Jacob said, too. I mean, the good thing about having Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle and, honestly, pass-catching backs, you can throw the ball five yards, and those guys can take it 75. So, I mean, he will definitely have big games. So I'm not going to take that away from him. But 5,000 is a lot, and I just I don't see it happening. I, I respect both of your takes completely. I will say one more thing. Week two against the Baltimore Ravens, he had 469 yards. That's it's crazy. Absurd. If he has like four of those games this year, dude, forget about it. He might throw. Anyway, he might throw for six thousand. He might. <laughs> he just may. And we'll come back and we'll talk about it, and it's going to be great. All right. So my first over and under is number of quarterbacks to throw over four thousand yards. Last year it was nine, and Dak Prescott missed some games, and he did not throw for four thousand. And um, as you just said, Tua. Missed some games. He did not throw for four thousand, but it was nine last year. So, what are we thinking? Over? Um, let's let's make it ten. Over or under ten? That's a good well, question. I mean, go ahead, Jacob. I man, I was just gonna say I I think the NFL got a little bit better from a kind of the best way to put this is the bottom 
end of the NFL got better from a passer rating through the draft this year. I think Bryce Young, I don't think he's going to lead the Carolina Panthers to a Super Bowl right now. So that's not where I'm going with this. But I do think he's going to complete more passes than anybody they had last year. Right. I think C.J. Stroud in Houston is going to be the same exact way. And I think Anthony Richardson in Indianapolis is also going to be that way. So, you know, I'm not saying those guys necessarily throw for 4,000 yards, but I do think they're all very capable passers with some pretty capable weapons. So I'm going to go over 10. I think we see, I think we could see probably like 12 or 13 this year, especially if those guys don't miss games like you, like you just brought up. Dude, Jacob, I love you, but you are the most optimistic person I've ever met on the entire planet. Hey, man, we'll see. I did not say anywhere in my incoherent rambling that CJ Stroud or Bryce Young or anything Richardson were going to throw for 4,000 yards, did I? No, I didn't. You didn't. I didn't but, say that. But you also, but you also said that half the NFL was going to throw for more, more than 4,000 yards. That's not so, true. Half the NFL would be 16, Scott. And you Hashtag said what? math. <laughs> Hmm. How many did you say again? I'm sorry, I miss I misheard you then. Twelve thirteen, sir? Uh okay. That's why you said it at ten and you're you're really ragging me on that. I'm gonna rag you. That's literally <laughs> the point of this <laughs> point of this podcast is to and bust each other's chops. Nah, for sure. I so I've got I did a quick list and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Man, we've got to start putting these numbers at like 10.5. Because if it was 10.5, I'm going to go with under. So these are my guys. This is These, these are who I think are going to throw for that. I think uh, Derek Carr is going to have a chip on his shoulder, bounce back year, playing down, down there for the Saints. You're welcome there, Jay. Tua, Tua is going to go off. Much to my chagrin, Dak's going to be on this list. They're going to be much more pass-happy than you're giving them credit for. Mahomes, duh. Hurts, duh. Rodgers, maybe, but I think so. T-Law is going to go off this year. Herbert and Josh Allen puts us at nine. Those are my guys. So I'm going to go with the under, only barely. Thoughts? Uh, yeah, you left actually... Lamar Jackson out of that list. And I don't know if you said Joe Burrow. Oh, my God, Ooh. Joe Burrow. And that's eleven oh, no. right there. Wow. Well, I I actually didn't add Lamar Jackson. I Lamar Jackson's a stud, but can you tell me the last time he finished an entire season? I don't know that he's ever thrown for four thousand yards. Yeah, and and I don't think he's finished all seventeen games in at least three years. So if you give me a healthy Lamar, you can guarantee me Lamar Jackson stays healthy for the entire season. Then I'll put him on this list. But I just haven't seen it. Uh, and, and I've got all the faith in the world in Lamar Jackson. I, he's just, unfortunately, it's been hurt a lot lately. And your body doesn't get any less old, unfortunately, or less wear and tear. I think he was close to 4,000 yards in his second season. I would have to fact check that. But I, if he didn't hit 4,000, it was mid to upper threes, I'm thinking. So, no, I, I, I well, definitely, I definitely. I was just going to say, I definitely agree with that. Uh, the injury bug has has certainly rode him hard. Um, I really expect, I, I don't know, personally, and this is not going to turn into a Baltimore Ravens podcast, but personally, I think the addition of Todd Munkin to that uh, offense and the receiving weapons that they went and got in the offseason with Zay Flowers uh, and their, their draft pick and Odell Beckham Jr., Rashad Bateman is going to be back healthy. Still have Mark Andrews. 
they're not going to be as run heavy, I don't think, and they're going to look to air the ball out. So I could absolutely see it if he stays healthy. Like there's he de- yeah, there's definitely a path to it there. But if I'm if I'm placing a bet on this right now at the beginning of the season, I would say not just based on history and sample size. Uh, I'm also going to put I'm going to push back on you a little bit there, Taylor. I need you to put a half number in there, so nine point five or ten point five, and that will de- depend on which direction I go with this. Let's go. Let's go ten point five. Dig it. Okay. Well, then I'm just under. I got ten guys. Jacob's just over. Taylor, what what did you say as far as yeah, over I, under? I I think um with Jacob, and I still think I'm going to take the over. I mean, you take Tom Brady off the list, and I think you still add Aaron Rodgers, who didn't throw for four thousand yards last year. Derek Carr, I think, probably throws for four thousand yards this year. Dak Prescott didn't throw for four thousand yards. Tua. So I mean. You got to think at least two, maybe three of those guys are going to throw for four thousand yards. So I, I think I hammer the over as well. All right, I like how there's a, uh, yeah, so far three different over unders, and there's been zero group consensus across the board. I'm digging it. My number two is going to be my Philadelphia Eagles went beast mode last year and had a historic year for sacks. They did finish at 70, which is just shy of the all-time sack record. But they also lost a little talent on that defensive line. Javon Hargrave, who was a monster on the interior, signed a big old contract in San Francisco. And he actually, you know, he deserves that big contract. He just destroyed teams last year. But we also picked up Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith. So we've uh, you know, added some reinforcements there as well. I'm not going to say we're hit, we're hit six, uh, 70 again because I don't think – I don't think that's uh, realistic two years in a row. I mean, fingers crossed, that'd be great. But I do think that uh, 60 sacks is in the realm of possibility, especially with Hassan Reddick returning. So I'm going to say, do the Eagles achieve 60 sacks? So the over-under would be 59.5. I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to say they don't hit 70, but they finish anywhere between 61 and 69. What about you all? Yeah, I I think uh, they probably get it as well. I'd probably take the over on that. Hassan Reddick had 16 sacks himself last year. They went and got a couple guys from Georgia. Yeah, I mean, they're good. They're good up front on both sides of the football. I think I'd probably take the over on that as well. That's 16, not counting the postseason. I believe it was 19 and a half if you consider the postseason for Hassan Reddick. That guy is yeah, criminally underrated. It's crazy. Yeah, that's wild. He was second in the league, so that's that's impressive. Jacob, yeah, what so, you got? Man, here's the thing. The Philadelphia Eagles – for my Marvel fans out there, are the closest thing to Thanos that we're going to see in a minute, probably. I know they didn't win the Super Bowl last year. Once again, shout out to the Chiefs. But in the offseason, they took an already incredibly stacked team, and they added to it to make it just, you know, Taylor said in our group message this morning, the closest thing to a super team we've seen since the 2007 Patriots, I believe is who that was. And that's just, it's so true. When it comes to... Defensive prowess, that, that defensive line is insane. Hassan Reddick, like we already talked about. If the Georgia guys can translate to the NFL like the world thinks they can, it's going to be horrible. Dak Prescott might throw 10 interceptions to the Philadelphia Eagles this year. So, hey. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm going over. I, I think I just don't think there's any way they don't get there. You, you might as well call them the Philadelphia Bulldogs at this point. Literally. I'm not mad about it. I know a lot of teams that are mad about it. (laughs) So as soon as I said none of us, or we hadn't had one thing we had a consensus across the board on, then we turn around and agree across the board. So look at us go. Yay. Jacob, what's your next one? All right, man. We're going to take it a little bit, uh, a little bit different direction here and have some fun. 
let me preface this with everything we say on the pod is in good fun, but zero fun, sir. Yeah, you're right. It's not going to be fun for these guys. <laughs> Over or under on Raiders players that get arrested this year. (laughs) (laughs) Over, over. Doesn't matter the number. Oh, no. You know, I was going to set it at three, and I think we might might just see the the ceiling on that again. Those guys, Uh, I mean, seriously, that's, again, all in good fun. But it just seems like every time the Raiders get something good going for them, they find a way to mess it up. You know, Henry Ruggs was looking great. Pretty honestly, pretty tragic deal that he's got going on in his life now. Jail, very tragic. Well, yeah, and very tragic for the the person, the other person involved in that. Absolutely, absolutely. And I don't, I, I want to be serious when I say this. I'm not making light of that situation at all because it absolutely is awful. But yet again, another Raiders player getting arrested, doing dumb stuff. <laughs> it's crazy, man. Crazy. What happens in Vegas doesn't always stay in Vegas. <laughs> they sure wish it would <laughs> yeah I'm, I, I'm i'm taking the over on that i'm gonna I'll, take I'll, the un, under on that. i'm sorry you want to ex, uh, extrapolate a little bit more no go ahead go ahead yeah i'm gonna take the under on that but i will take the over on josh mcdaniel's drive running a franchise into the ground for <laughs> the second time in a row the guy went to went to Denver and just destroyed everything and then ran back to New England. And then he comes out here to, to Vegas and like within a season alienates his borderline star quarterback and just, just ruins everything. So under on the arrests, but over on him forcing people to out of the franchise. Look at uh, Derek Carr's one and uh, our boy who's in, now tied in up in New York. Uh, Waller is another awful. Yeah. Waller the baller. No, it's crazy, um, real crazy that Josh McDaniels gets caught for cheating at football, and then he's not really good anymore, and he goes to the Raiders where there's other people that like to break rules, and it just it's really a match made in heaven for the worst, honestly. Yeah, if you really think about it. Just his track record, like in Denver, <laughs> and then he accepts a job in Indianapolis, and then like at the last minute, it's like, nope, I'm gonna continue being an OC, and then he gets this other a new head coaching job, and. Why? Why do we keep offering this man jobs? I don't get it. Right. Get Devontae Adams away from him at all costs. Right. Don't ruin him. You can't ruin him also. You're done. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Just go away, man. Anyway, we've spent too much time on this. Taylor, what you got for us? So my next one is Micah Parsons sacks. So last year he had 13 and a half. This year I'm going to go with the over-under at... 16 and a half. I personally think that he will get the over on that. Micah Parsons is an unbelievable talent. I mean, I he plays so he can play so many different places on the field, but when he's at defensive end, he is a, an offensive tackle's worst nightmare. Unless that offensive tackle is Lane Johnson. For those who don't know, Lane Johnson plays for the you guessed it, Philadelphia Eagles. Shout out hey, Scott. Lane hasn't given up a, given up a sack since November of 2020. That is insane. And yes, he has played against Micah Parsons in that span. So throwing that out there. Yeah, that Lane is Johnson insane. is a dog. Yeah, that's D A W G for those out there. Full Homer coming out inside of me. Sorry. No, it's cool. It's Go. cool. Hey, Taylor, how many sacks yeah. did the Chiefs give up in the Super Bowl? Uh, <sighs> Was it zero? 
Uh, yeah, mm. it was definitely less than one. Yeah, it was zero. All right, you guys, that that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Micah Parsons. Yeah, he's a freak. Especially because I, I don't have the number in front of me right now, but if you look at what he weighed coming into the league versus what he weighs today and still has the – just freak athletic ability to go with the extra weight. Like, mm, that's a wrap, boys. Defensive player of the year, Michael Parsons. Here we come. Yeah, man. I uh, I thought there would be some – you know, his rookie season was obviously un, just unprecedented. It just came out of nowhere. Um, and I thought there would be a little bit of regression last year, you know, but instead the opposite happened, and somehow he got better. So I have learned not to – root against or expect him to get worse. And I'm going to go say, go ahead and say over as well. I, I will give the Cowboys some credit where it is due. Over that for me. That was a big step for you, Scott. I'm so proud of you. I'm all about that growth. <laughs> uh, all right, Scott, what, what's your uh, third one? So my third one, and you know, like Jacob uh, prefaced, it's all fun here, right? If you guys remember, old Zach Wilson caused a little bit of stir, I think it was before the season last year, um, by having relations with a friend's mom. So my my over-under is um, Zach Wilson, while he's up there trying to hang out behind Aaron Rodgers, will he make the headlines for something crazy? We'll just say that more or less than 1.5 times. <laughs> I you personally know, am going to go ahead, Taylor. I'm going to take the under on this, um, especially if it comes to sleeping with a friend's mom, because Aaron <laughs> Rodgers is there now, and you know Aaron Rodgers is picking up the pieces. Daddy's home. No, uh, I I specifically <laughs> left it. <laughs> I specifically left it very vague as to like ridiculous headlines. You know, whether it's him saying something like, I'm going to make his practice his worst nightmare, this and that. The guy can't stay away from making boneheaded headlines. So whether it's having relationships with people's moms or just anything else, crazy, ridiculous headlines for Zach Wilson, 1.5. I was going to say in a lot of his interviews, he kind of sounds like he's all about Zach Wilson. So I'll I'll just kind of leave it at that. Yeah, that's that's definitely... That definitely seems like Zach Wilson. I was really high on him coming in, and I had a lot of faith last year. And guess what? Didn't pan out. However, I think Aaron Rodgers being there might, you know, make him a little bit better. Just a, a different twist on on Scott's question there. If you think about Aaron Rodgers being the friend, Aaron Rodgers' mom's probably like seventy five, right? So I, I doubt it. I think I'm going to go under. I'm going to go under here as well. Zach Wilson, get better, man. Just get better. Enjoy Aaron Rodgers being there. Quit doing stupid stuff. I am going to have faith and say he, yeah, because because of Salah and Aaron Rodgers, he does less stupid stuff this year. So I'm going to say he does one stupid headline, regardless of what it may be, but less than 1.5. Scott, you know what's crazy? Mm. You you said Salah just now, as in the head coach of the New York Jets, and it's kind of funny that like when people were going through anger management and stuff, they're they're saying things like, you know, in Sala, like chill out. But that dude loses his head more than anybody I think I've ever seen on national television. So it's kind of it's kind of funny, you know, just to play on words there. Anyway, he knows how to to run a tight ship though up there. I'll say that. But yes, he does. 
he's got a temper and it's impressive. Who, who, who was the, was it the Bills OC or the defensive coordinator that went off in the booth last year that they caught footage of? You remember seeing that? Bills. Yeah. He like threw his, like everything down. Like he was Tom Brady trying to break a tablet or whatever. <laughs> yeah. That guy lost his mind. I think it was. I think it was the Bills OC. I'm trying to think of what his name was. A problem. Yeah. That's the best Things way you, you can don't describe want to be, that guy. Yeah. Things you don't want to be known for. So that's my three. Jacob, we got your three. Taylor, do you do two or three already? I've done two, but I've got one more one? for you guys if you're ready for it. Yeah, man. Let's hear it. All right. So my third one is Saquon Barkley. He played 16 games last year, ran for just over 1,300 yards. I'm going to set the mark after him signing a one-year contract. I'm going to set the mark at 1,500 yards. Are you guys going over or under? I personally think that uh, Saquon's going to rush for over 1,500 yards. Three backs did it last year, Jacobs, Derrick Henry, and Nick Chubb. Saquon was fourth on the rushing list, and I think he uh, he joins those guys with over 1,500 yards this upcoming year. And that's on the ground. That's not total scrimmage yards. That is rushing yards. Gotcha. Jacob? So let me ask, this is Saquon over and under 13, or is this running backs? This is Saquon over 1,500. Over 1,500. Man, my my wife tells me all the time my ears don't work, and she is right. So 1,500 yards, that seems like a lot. I kind of wonder if... Well, I guess just let me say this. I think Saquon gets there as long as he can stay healthy, which has been a problem for him in his career so far. So I would I would say over 1,500 yards, he has a lot to play for. But are they going to sign him to a long-term deal even if he gets there? I mean, we're I know we've talked about this like every week for six months now, it seems like, but the running back market is just not looking promising for these dudes at all. Josh Jacobs last year – rushing record, all the things, no contract. Is New York going to play the same game with Saquon? I don't know. We'll have to find out and see. Yeah, I mean, so you, well, the Giants, I mean, whether they sign him or not, you got to think you're playing for your job no matter what. You know, no matter what team is out there, if you enter free agency or whatever Saquon decides to do, he's playing for a contract somewhere. So I would think that, you know, he has a big year this year, barring any injuries. Hundred percent. Yeah, I think so. Especially if you consider, you know, it, last year it was Danny Dimes throwing to Isaiah Hodgins. No one knows that name. No one should know that name. Although he's did pretty well for himself, but literally nobody. So it was Danny Dimes and Saquon, and that was it. Now, now the Giants go out and get Hyatt and Waller. You got a couple guys coming back from injury. Um, it's going to open up the box a little bit more. So. I, I think that they lean into the run to open up the pass, and because they've actually got legitimate receivers there, then, yeah, I think he eclipses 1,500 yards. Perfect. So we were all over on that, or did Jacob, do you end up going under on that? I'm actually going to say over. Man, all of us bullish on Saquon. I like it. I'm so looking forward to the end of the season, tallying all these up and looking back at them, being whiffing on every single one of them, especially the ones that were in consensus on. Like, watch Saquon average like 2.9 yards of carry. Micah Parsons has like three sacks or something crazy like that. And not, not, not neither one of these are because of injury. <laughs> right. Yeah. They just decided to not be good at football this year. No, I don't think that. I, I think that's not likely at all. It would just be 
it would just be funny because we're all like gung ho about these things, and the Eagles have mm-hmm. like twenty seven sacks or something atrocious. Well, much That's, like Kyle Shanahan want- and Trey Lance have already shown me, I'm going to be wrong a lot this year. So, full send, boys, full send. Yeah, might as well just get used to it. Let's hop into another segment. So we've done way too early power rankings, and we've done way too early like Super Bowl predictions and all this and that jazz. I want to look at the MVP, right? Um, specifically, non-quarterback edition, right? So the the guys who probably should have won, you know, or who we think should have won their, this year, but they get snubbed because their names don't start with QB. And a good example of that is Cooper Cup two years ago, you know, triple crown receiving yards, receptions, and touchdowns, and all the things. And just because he's not a quarterback, he doesn't actually win the MVP title. So I want to get y'all's take on who you think is going to be the standout player in the NFL on offense and defense, and then maybe a dark horse. And and you're saying non-quarterback, correct? Correct. It's it's no fun because it'd be super chalk. It'd either be like Mahomes or Hertz or Allen, and that would be it. And we'd be, we'd be done having the conversation. So yeah, non-quarterback version. Taylor, why don't we go in a different order and have you kick us off? Sounds great. So my non-quarterback MVP would have to be Justin Jefferson. Um, last year, he went crazy. He's went crazy his whole year or his whole career. I think in his first three years, he has the most reception or the most receiving yards out of any player ever. Uh, he's still got the same quarterback. You got Jordan Addison, who's going to be trying to get some targets there. You got TJ Hawkinson, who came and later in the year actually played pretty well for him last year, but I still think Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson's connection is too strong. And I think Justin Jefferson would be that guy for me. And then if I was kind of picking a dark horse, this guy's actually a quarterback, but I would go with Kirk Cousins. He's a guy who they talk about every single year through most of the year. And then it always seems like he has one or two, maybe even three games where he just does not play well at all. And it kind of drops him out of the talk for it. But I think Kirk Cousins could have a big year this year, and I think he's a guy that actually could win an MVP. Kirk coupons. I did not see that coming. Like, if I would have guessed 10 people of who you would have said for a dark horse, it would not have been him. So, So, bravo, sir. So, Kirk Cousins is actually a guy that, in most of my redraft leagues, he's a guy I take late and normally plays pretty well for me in fantasy. So, I mean, in, in real life, he puts up numbers. It's just, like I said, he's not always super consistent. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think this persona he's adopted with the, you like that? And everything else. Like <laughs> he's uh, just makes himself the butt of a lot of jokes too easily. But he's better, he's definitely better than people give him credit for a lot of times. Jacob, what you Jacob, got, sir? Yep. Yeah, man. So here's the thing Scott uh, does not like this take. And I'm just going to get it out of the way early. Non quarterback MVP, Christian McCaffrey. Fun stat for you. Last year, he switched teams, right? Everybody knows that. He was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. He was there for a handful of years, and then he got traded to San Francisco in an offense that is just absolutely perfect for him. These are some stats. He had 1,377 rushing yards last year. That is Carolina and San Francisco combined. He had 802 receiving yards last year. So the dude had over 2,000 all-purpose yards. I don't think that's going to change this year. I think San Francisco is still going to keep feeding him. Even if they limit his touches, his big playability is still really crazy. So number one for me is going to be Christian McCaffrey. He has 
the kind of team around him that will allow him to excel and and be that big playmaker that that San Francisco needs in addition to Debo Samuel. But as we've seen over the years, Kyle Shanahan really likes to lean on his running backs and then hit big plays with receivers uh, as kind of a one-two punch, if you will. And Christian McCaffrey is that guy. So yeah, that's first and foremost, that's my non-quarterback. My quarterback that is going to be probably not talked about as much, I don't think, is actually Tua. Again, last year he's having an MVP caliber season. Uh, like we talked about just a little while ago, game two, he uh, he hung 469 yards on the Baltimore Ravens. And they actually have a really good secondary. So if you take into consideration the fact that he's got Tyreek Hill, who, like we said, top five receiver, Jalen Waddle, who was a top 10 receiver, you know, th- those two guys, in addition to a lot of the speed they have out of the backfield, it's just weapons everywhere. And like Taylor said, Tua doesn't have to throw the ball 80 yards downfield every play. They can hit screens. They can hit. He might throw a five-yard route that's going to go 100 yards or 95, technically. going to go to the house. Yeah, I mean, it, it's cribbed. So <laughs> I, I think Tua is absolutely in that conversation with the asterisk as long as he can stay healthy. Yeah, th- those are those are my two my two picks for sure. So mine, asterisk heavy as well. If the man plays, uh, first of all, agreed – there are definitely avenues to where those things happen. I will 100% eat crow if CMC just goes off and I'm just an idiot. That's fine. There are going to be a lot of hot takes that I'm just going to be 1,000% wrong about, and I'm I'm here for it. But you know, got to have that controversy every now and again. Every now and again, um, I also like Tua. He was doing some awesome stuff, and you know, got derailed a little bit from from injuries, which is unfortunate. Uh, so I, yeah, I could see a path for that also. But my asterisk option is and he's got to play this year first it's uh it's josh jacobs man the guy who just was so filthy good last year and i know that he thinks he deserves to get paid more than a franchise tag and he's probably right but if that man steps on a football field 17 times this year i think he's gonna he's the type of guy that will let this sort of frustration fuel him and he'll be that much more of a beast because of it and i could see him putting up 18, 1900 yards on the ground uh, and putting together an MVP caliber season. But once again, asterisks, asterisks, asterisks. He's got to play, first of all. Um, hopefully that happens. And then my dark horse, I'm surprised this guy isn't getting more buzz because I think with playing for a guy named Doug Peterson who knows how to coach a football team and then giving him Calvin Ridley and giving him another year to gel with the guys he's already had, I think Trevor Lawrence could, could make a you know, a lot of noise down the stretch. And I, I would not be shocked if the Jags don't make it to at least the AFC championship game this year. And I think a big part of that will be because Trevor Lawrence takes that massive leap forward. And all of a sudden he's the guy we thought he was going to be coming out of college. I, I actually, love that take. I was, I was going to agree with that. I think just his jump from year one to year two, you got to think that he's going to keep getting better, keep grinding. Like you said, they added weapons. That offense is looked really good last year so i think he could have a big year as well i i agree with you on that look at that getting the praise i appreciate it all right last thing rick real quick around the horn defensive mvp or defensive player of the year what do y'all think bing bang bong fire him off real quick jacob what what you got uh, man i think it could be michael parsons again honestly yeah that guy's i, just I crazy. actually have yep i actually have michael parsons written down i think that he's incredible i think he only gets better 
I think Homer Homer alert. Hold on. I think Hassan Reddit may have a deserve it caliber season, but I think my, Micah Parsons will get it because he plays for quote unquote America's team. And there's he's become he's replaced Zeke as the face of the franchise there. He's getting all the love. And and it's deserved. The guy's a freak. But from a, a stat standpoint, I think that Hassan Reddick is gonna set some records this year. Yeah, we can't we can't forget about TJ Watt and Nick Bosa too. I think both those guys are guys who could win it just as easily as uh Micah Parsons. Yeah, it it's honestly it's one of those things to where if you put all five of those names in a hat or four of those names in a hat and just picked one out, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if they'd won it because they're all just unfairly talented. So, yeah, nice, uh, boring exercise because we're all pretty chalk. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob, why don't, you, uh, why don't we shift gears even more? And, Jacob, why don't you talk to us about some college stuff? Yeah, so for the folks out there that have been asking, are you guys going to do any college stuff? You bet we're going to do college stuff, and today we start. We're just going to kind of cover a few things that's going on in the college world. We're going to kick it off by going around who our personal teams are, uh, give a little bit of a, a why behind that, and then we'll move into some other stuff. So I'll go ahead and kick that off. The Oklahoma State Cowboys are my team. It's actually my alma mater. Graduated from there in 2019. Could have been a couple years earlier than that if, you know, Oklahoma State wasn't such a fun place to be. So it's just uh, the atmosphere down there is fantastic, and and I just love everything about the Cowboys. I'm going to try and go to a game every year at least once, and my wife graduated from there too. So, Taylor, why don't you tell us about your team? Yeah, so um, I'm actually a Kansas Jayhawk fan. I actually started liking them because they're just always so good. Um, no, obviously they're not They're not great. But last year, they had a big year, and I think that they're going to get even better this year. I'm a KU fan, always have been, huge KU basketball fan as well. And, yeah, I mean, I just I guess that's how I was born and raised. Scott? So I was actually unaware that KU had a football program until this last year. I was hey. uh, shocked, actually. I was like, Look at that, the stadium. Welcome to the show. Jacob, I thought you were about to say that you're going to try to go to a game like every week, and I was about to be impressed. Like, that's a, it takes some effort to get down there on a weekly basis. Yeah, that would be no. super fan status. If I didn't have mm-hmm. to work and like be an adult and do adult things, I mean, it would definitely be up there on the list. That would be nice, but unfortunately, bills have to get paid and all that other fun stuff. Uh, so I don't have a diehard take on this. I've got a couple teams. Like I'm, I'm a big Oklahoma fan, right? So Oklahoma, as in the whole state, right? So I like to see OSU do well. I've taken some classes there. I like to see Oklahoma do well. Both my parents have degrees from there, um, and it's hard not to get swept up in the the camaraderie of, of uh, Boomer Sooner. So I like seeing both those those teams do well. I have a really random team that, and I don't know a whole lot about and don't follow, but you better believe if they're playing, I'll throw, I'll throw the game on. And that's my, my Wake Forest Demon Deacons. How about that? What you guys know about that? Absolutely I know nothing. a lot about the Demon Deacons, actually. Tell me more. Well, since you asked, they actually, in the last, I'm going to say the last three or four years, they've had one of the most exciting offenses in the game. Uh, the New Orleans Saints drafted one of their big-time receivers out of Wake Forest, Mr. A.T. Perry. I hope 
that he actually makes the Sunday roster at some point for New Orleans because he was a lot of fun to watch in college, man. And Sam Hartman, the quarterback that you guys had forever, he he actually transferred to Notre Dame, and that dude is a running, gunning fool. He kind of reminds me of a smaller, dark-haired version of Josh Allen. Honestly, you should you should look up some highlights. But, yeah, no, Wake Forest, a lot of fun to watch, man. So I, I respect that. So it's no longer my Wake Forest. It's our Wake Forest. It's all of our <laughs> yeah, Wake no, Forest. I'm on board with that. This, this nice. must be a Wake Forest pod now. <laughs> Official team of the pod. I, I can get behind your <laughs> Oklahoma take, though, too, because I'm, I mean, it has been hard in recent years to watch KU play football. So I've kind of just become a Big 12 fan. Obviously, I root for KU when they play, but. I love watching all the Big 12 teams, and now there's, what, 16, 18? How many's there? 20? They're growing. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And that's that's a good segue into kind of the next portion of college football talk. Man, this week has been insane for the conferences. It's pretty insane. You know, the Big 12, they were, quote-unquote, on life support a year ago. I saw a guy that says he's a news analyst for sports say that this week and i was like wow dude really anyway yeah the big 12 was on life support because ou and texas decided they are out they're leaving and that's cool because while losing ou and texas we somehow found a way to get cincinnati byu ucf this week the pac-12 decided they were going to jump in with us and now we got utah arizona state arizona the teams that are in the Big 12 now, it's it's really crazy. It is really crazy. I, I mean, what do you guys think about that? Total chaos is my thought process on it. Like I wake, <laughs> wake up every day and it's like, who's going where now? What? I am not informed enough to talk about like the why behind it, but it's to me it seems like total pandem- pandemonium. Cats are chasing dogs. It's wild. <laughs> well, I mean, it's... <laughs> Obviously, big news for the Big 12 because Texas and Oklahoma, probably the two most prominent teams in the Big 12, um, were leaving. So you bring in these five, six, whatever it was, seven teams from the Pac-12. Now you're a full conference again. You know, you get Colorado and Deion Sanders there, too. So that's that's big news, prime time. Um, yep. But, yeah, I think, I think it's good for the Big 12 and the Big 10 because hopefully – these conferences are less top heavy and you see more teams competing for the conference championship. Yeah, no, absolutely. The, what I think is craziest and it just kind of piggyback on what you said there, right there, Oregon went to the big 10 too. So, and they're always really competitive in the pac 12, which also this is really going to show us, were they ever that good or was their conference just not that good? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, with the with the Big Twelve, just kind of a quick rundown on on some of the skill level that's coming in now. Utah is always really strong. They've got some great teams every year. That'll be a battle for anybody in the Big Twelve, frankly. Cincinnati typically is great. They did just lose their head coach to Wisconsin. So we will see how that pans out. If it was all about him or if that program is actually just historically good. Not sure. We're, we're just going to have to see how it plays out. BYU, UCF, they're kind of a similar makeup, if you will. They have a lot of really great offense generally and don't have a lot of great defense, which slides right into the Big 12 scheme. 
I don't know, guys. Houston is in there now too. So, and it, we've, I mean, we've seen some really good Houston teams here lately also. So it, it's really going to be interesting to see how it actually shakes out. I think it's going to be awesome to find out what teams have actually been perennially good and what teams were just in the top of a bad conference. I, I think losing OU in Texas is tough, especially for somebody that has grown up in the Big 12, just like, you know, we kind of have. I think it it really sucks for rivalries. You know, Bedlam, every year growing up, that was such a huge game. For those of you that don't know, that's Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State. Uh, the Red River Shootout, every year, huge game. That's OU Texas. So it's like, and it, that, I guess technically that'll still happen. It'll just be SEC. Not sure if they'll still call it that, but it's just a really crazy time in college sports. I, I'm excited to see it. I think it's going to be a lot of new levels of competition, and it's just going to be a kind of a world that we haven't seen before as far as all that goes. So what do you guys think? So me personally, I actually wouldn't be surprised if they continue to condense to fewer conferences. And I'm interested to see – how this affects recruiting too because you know normally the sec get all these guys and they're just powerhouses so it's going to be interesting to see you know now that the big 12's a bigger conference big 10's a bigger conference and it's hard to say that they'll still compete with the sec but you just never know you know the coaches might be able to to sway that their conference is going to be competitive and with the playoff expanding they may may be able to sneak in and, and play for a championship yeah, Taylor, great point. I do think they're going to continue to condense condense the uh, number of conferences. Conferences. I do think that a number of teams are going to get exposed, like Oregon. I think that they have just feasted way too long on on a pack conference that is just whether it's the culture or whether it's you know, putting the money towards the program or what. The pack has just been historically weak. It just hasn't been a thing in, in forever. So I think Oregon has definitely been bolstered quite a bit because of that. And you end up seeing that, you know, when the bowl games shake out. But uh, I'm curious for sure to see how, how this looks, you know, 12, 24, 36, 36 months from now. Yeah, yeah the, absolutely. The bowl games always bring out the best and worst in every team. It's always really fun to watch some teams get exposed. Sometimes that's the Big 12. <laughs> Not recently. Recently, the Big 12 has been running bowl games. Now yeah. the Big 12 has a lot more teams, a lot more opportunity to lose those games. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, you but know. Let's, let's look at the college playoff and national championships. I mean, it's consi- I mean, TCU made it last year, but didn't look too good in the national championship, and then OU before that. So, I mean, they're making it. It's just we'd like to see them win. Yeah, man, it's it's going to be pretty crazy. I really hope that at some point, and we don't have to spend a ton of time on this, but I do just want to say I really hope at some point they limit the transfer portal in some capacity because you got guys that are, I mean, they're holding out for NIL deals. They are setting out of bowl games because they, they know they're going to transfer and they don't want to risk getting hurt. And I mean, it's it's like – a mini NFL during contract negotiations at every school every single year. That's hard. I mean, it, it it's hard for programs to know what direction they're going because you don't know if guys are going to be there or not. It's hard for really fans to even get into it. And I, I know that sounds trivial, but if you've got a favorite player and all of a sudden they don't want to play for your favorite school anymore, do you want to watch the games anymore? I mean, there there's levels to that. 
I, I think at some point the transfer portal needs to be limited in some capacity is the best way that I can put that. I agree. Yeah. Uh, Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I agree. You know, I, I'm interested also to see how, it trans these players translate to the NFL now that they can kind of just come and go as they please. You know, you're going to have a three, four, five year contract. You're already seeing players hold out with a year left on their contracts. You know, what what are these these guys who are studs in college going to do when they get to the NFL? We'll see how that pans out. And unfortunately, I don't know. I don't know what the solution to that is. Um, it was very, very interesting to me whenever this was going up the. I don't want to. I don't want to misspeak here, but from my understanding, is that this all stemmed from a lawsuit that was working its way up to district courts in California, and all the players like initially wanted. When we're talking about NIL specifically, not transfer portal, all the players specifically wanted was like a sixty-two hundred dollars stipend per semester if they achieved a certain GPA. And it went all the way up to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court was like, that's fair. These people commit a lot of their time to this. And until that point, the NCAA like fought it tooth and nail. And then as soon as the Supreme Court was like, yeah, you should probably give them this stipend, then the NCAA was like, F it. You want to do that? Then let's just open these floodgates and take it from a $6,200 stipend to all the money to everybody ever as long as the, as long as the school can afford it. So it's just... It's just weird how it went from one extreme to the absolute other and the literal blink of an eye. And then when you combine that with the instant tra- uh, or the transfer as much as you want portal, essentially, it's just crazy. It is. It's I just don't think it's a st- sustainable way of doing things. Yes, completely agree with what you just said. It It is wild. And once the once all the covid years are finally worked out and players don't have an extra year, extra year of eligibility anymore, I think that it's actually going to probably decrease the amount of transfers that are happening because not, there's not going to be as many available names, and it, it's just going to have to decrease. I mean, it really is the only option there. And we've got a, probably maybe two years left of that, I think, is roughly what that's going to be like. Anyway, I saw a article that... Bryce Young actually said that he used to be a DoorDash driver while at the University of Alabama before NIL. You know, then the NIL started rolling in. It was like, wow, that's crazy. I've been I've been a DoorDash driver and now I don't have to do that ever again. You know, he knew he was going to the NFL anyway. Maybe that's not a great example, but just just the idea of that thought process is insane to me that in just a few years we'll be able to look back and every kid in college will have had access to nil of some capacity and i do think there should be some sort of middle ground right like you should if you're a student athlete i mean the time commitment especially in a major program like that is absurd you can't work a part-time job really uh and also play football not well um so that's why i think that i thought that the stipend was like a fair was a fair compromise so it's just i don't know i don't i don't know why had uh, the pendulum had to swing so far the other direction the the my thing with NIL is the companies that are willing to fund that money, I don't care how much they spend, honestly. If if they want to sign a college athlete to a two year NIL deal or whatever for their, their duration of time, a million dollars, I mean that's happening right now, which is absolutely insane. There are players making more money on NIL than they are in professional sports. So I mean, it, it's a incentive for kids to actually stay in school, which I'm kind of on board with. So anyway, 
to circle back around here, I don't care how much money they make on an IO. I don't, I don't want that to be regulated at all, frankly, because I think the end game of all that is probably pretty decent. You know, no matter what way you cut it, it's better for the kid. It's better for college. It's better for their families. It's better for whatever. But in terms of just jumping around from school to school to school to school to school, chasing money, that's what I don't like. So I, I really don't know how you moderate any of that. For me, as a fan and a consumer, um, they're making EA Sports College football again, and that is great news. Hey, I used to love that thing. Well, oh, yeah, absolutely. Fun fact, throwback, golly, almost, what, 10 years ago now, Taylor and I lived together for a short time, and we spent most uh, of our spare time playing that game. So, yeah, dude, welcome back, old friend. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm excited about it. Did you guys play it in, like, you know, their version of franchise mode where you would, like, pick a school and sit there and have to go through recruiting over years and years and years, or just play as the teams were head-to-head or both? So I would normally jump on dynasty mode after Jacob got tired of me waxing him. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I did a little both. I have absolutely no rebuttal. I don't think I <laughs> won a game the entire time we played each other. So yeah, no, uh, shout out Taylor. Thanks for dragging me out on the carpet on that deal. Appreciate it. Nice. It's all good, brother. I used to love some it's all, all in good dynasty fun. Is- <laughs> dynasty is where it's at because you get to like take some team like i played like the utah state utes and who'd like no program at all <laughs> and i would turn them into like a, a perennial powerhouse and it's like crazy blue chip recruiting year in year out yeah, that was a lot of fun <laughs> shout out jordan love shout out to the boy like you got anything else for us from a ncaa standpoint there sir man you know I, I think we spent a lot of time on on college today we can move on down the list I got some more stuff, but we'll come back next week. I like it. Maybe uh, talk a little more about some dynasty NCAA EA sports style next time too. You know, for for anybody who cares about that side of this conversation. Hey, listen, um, I I got time. The only uh, I guess we should uh, real quick touch on some non-football stuff. Um, and the big thing in the news is that man, the women's team knocked out. I think I saw, uh, I believe I'm remembering this correctly. I think they were like a 238 minute scoreless drought before they got eliminated, which is crazy. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it was that many. They so I actually watched most of that game with my wife this morning. Uh, as we've talked about, she's a head soccer coach uh, here here at home for us, so she's our she's our soccer guru, if you will. But, yeah, so that game actually went to 90 minutes of regular play, and then it went another 30 minutes of overtime. And then once you hit the end of overtime in what is a knockout game, you go to PKs, which stands for penalty kicks, and we lost in those. So, essentially, for all the non-soccer ballers out there, like myself, actually – I'm only recently learning all these things, but you line up and one team kicks and then you kick and then one team kicks and then you kick. And if they make more than you do, you lose. And that's what happened to us. So super depressing. The The U.S. women's team has been an absolute juggernaut for roughly 10 years now. Um, actually longer than that. 
but that's how long I've known about it. <laughs> so <laughs> no, it, it's, it is really sad. Uh, my wife, just so everybody knows it's late on a Sunday night and she is already in bed, but she said, when you guys talk about that, you can say how depressed it was, how depressed I was that it happened. So sad. Cry, cry. So that's, that's Haley's knowledge on it for you. I do think that we all feel the same way. Even, even if you're not a huge, uh, footballer yeah i think we're all <laughs> a little bit bummed about it uh so i found where i saw that at it was actually on sports center uh espn their social media uh sc facts the u.s women's national team finished the 2020 2023 women's world cup on a 238 minute scoring drought their longest in women's world cup history uh it's- yep no that i'm sorry I, I misunderstood you i thought you meant like they played 238 minutes in this game no, no, no. But that was games back. So, hey, my apologies, Scott. No, you're good. I just wanted to, you know, if I was talking out of my rear end, I wanted to, to check these, do some fact checking or, or <laughs> clarify checking. Yeah. But on a, I mean, on a positive note, because you can't just end it with, oh, man, we got knocked out and we suck. No, they mm-hmm. actually, this was of the games that they played in this World Cup, this was definitely much much more improved uh than the ones back so shout out to the girls for for bringing the energy early this morning it just didn't work out in our favor this year so here in another few years when it comes back around we'll get them again yeah for sure taylor i mean it's yeah it's what they've done up until this point's incredible anyway but um much like ncaa football They'll be back, so I'm looking forward to it. If you guys can't tell, Taylor loves that game. I'm starting to get that, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else, guys, going on around the around the world from a sporting aspect you want to touch on? I don't think so. Nah, man. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, that does it for this week's episode of 4th and Forever Sports. As always, we are so excited that we get to do this every week. We've mentioned it before, but it is truly a dream come true to do a sports podcast every week with a couple really good friends. So if you enjoy this, we would really, really appreciate it if you would hit us up on all of our socials, follow, share, tell your friends, leave great reviews. We appreciate it so, so much. We're going to have a Facebook and we're going to have a Twitter or X or X Twitter or whatever that's called now. Shout out to Elon Musk for shaking the world up. Anyway, that does it for us guys. See you next time.